Greetings and salutations from Times Square, crossroads of the world. This is the Muni Lowdown, produced by DebtWire Municipals, where we talk about this week's most interesting stories in the municipal bond market. And I am your host, Young Lim, desk editor at DebtWire Municipals. Good morning and welcome to the show. It's Tuesday, February 18th. And let's talk about our topics for today. We've got from Chicago, DebtWire reporter Caitlin Devitt looks at two charter schools in the state of Arizona, American Leadership Academy and Odyssey. The former spent more than expected this year, while the latter expects to see a small boost in funding next year. Caitlin also talks about Ohio-based Better Housing Foundation, which filed for Chapter 11 protection for one of their housing portfolios. Coming to you from New York City, DebtWire's Patrick Ferguson discusses the latest on South Carolina Public Service Authority, Sandy Cooper, with bids in to purchase the public utility as well as a settlement over assets at the defunct VC Summer Nuclear Project. So Caitlin, let's start with you. Welcome. Hi, Young. Thanks for having me. No problem. So you wrote about not one, but two charter schools in Arizona last week, both of which appear to be facing some struggles. Can you talk a little bit about the larger of the two, the, uh, I think it's called American Leadership Academy? Yeah, American Leadership Academy, also known as ALA. It's a uh, one of the larger systems in the state. It's got 12 schools and about 10,000 kids. We've been following it for a few years. The credit's kind of an interesting one for a few reasons, one of which is in late 2017, they did a very large, about $190 million borrowing, which is real large for the charter school sector. So that was a deal that was one of the largest unrated you know, charter school deals, and so we followed that. And they also have floated bonds in 2015. And so they all together have about 230 million of bond debt, which is kind of a lot for a charter school system. And we've also followed them because they've suffered sort of a, a lot of negative press in the state and which is bondholders have been paying attention to for reports from the local Arizona newspapers of faulty audits, which were behind that 2017 large bond issuance, and also reported conflicts of interest with the founder and former board chair, whose name is Glenn Way. And Glenn Way's been kind of this big figure with the ALA, ALA credit, and he has all, he maintains, he's no, no longer the board chair, he stepped down, but he still has pretty lucrative contracts with ALA. So for those reasons, we've been following them, and they did a, uh, they had a bondholder call last week where they did a financial update, and they talked a little bit about um, what happened in 2019 and what they expect for 2020, and like you said, they spent a little bit more than they expected in 2019. That was partly due to a bond deal that they, that they did last year. They came to market again last year. So that was partly that reason they expect to spend more than um, they projected on interest and also school operations. But other than that, I mean, they're actually below their the covenant, the day's cash on hand covenant at 30 days, the covenant's at 45 days, but they expect that to climb to um, climb above the covenant by the end of the year. Arizona, and we'll also see this with the next credit I'll talk about, which is Odyssey. Arizona has this kind of funding schedule that they, they pay out in a certain way that sometimes causes some liquidity crunches throughout the year for charter schools. 
All right. So, so you mentioned it, uh, Caitlin, the other squad We wrote about that in late uh, 2017 when they had trouble clearing the market. Sounds like they're doing okay for now. And also they're expecting a bump in funding this year. They're expecting a bump in funding. Yeah. In fact, all charter schools, so this would include ALA as well, are supposed to get a bump in funding um, of about 5%. That's under the governor's budget. That's expected to pass. And the in- Odyssey also held a call last week. So, you know, we, I dialed into that and wrote about that. The, uh, the interesting thing during that call, they kind of talked about the political landscape in Arizona, which we cover a lot of charter schools in Arizona because the state is a pretty active state for charters. And so we cover a lot of those. And they say the political landscape is pretty good. The governor is real committed to charter schools. And like I said, he has that state that bump in state aid. And it doesn't look like there's any legislation that they're expecting that's going to cramp the charter school sector. So they're pretty happy with that. And they think enrollment's going to be probably down in for the end of 2019, which ends 30 June, like for most of them. But they're hoping that they're going to see that come up again next year. Enrollment is always a key measure for um, bondholders when they're analyzing charter schools. They always really want to know about enrollment. ALA's enrollment was kind of up for a long time, and now it's been kind of flat. So when um, they give financial updates, that's always kind of a key thing that we pay attention to. So as I said, Odyssey in 2019 thought it was going to be down, uh, thinks it's going to end with um, enrollment down, but they expect it to, they hope anyway that it's going to come up next year. They hope. Okay, that's the magic word there. All right, thanks, Caitlin. And I know charter school is one of your beats. So, Kaylin, do, do us a favor. Can you hold on for a few minutes? We'll come back to you for your other story in a few, okay? Yeah, sure. Patrick Ferguson here in our New York City office. Welcome, Patrick. Uh, thanks for having me. Not a problem. So, Patrick, it's been two and a half years after the embedment of the VC Summer Nuclear Project. The offers are finally in for Sandy Cooper. So tell me about the bids and how they, what they look like for Sandy Cooper. Yeah, so last week we got the three bids uh, from the South Carolina State Assembly, actually the Department Administration, and the three bids range from a variety. So we have Sandy Cooper's bid to reform itself. We have a bid from Dominion uh, to take management control of the utility, and then a bid from Next uh, Era to buy the utility outright. And so these bids are basically some of the the key factors that legislators uh, and interested parties are looking at are well, rates for consumers, outstanding litigation against Santee Cooper, power generation. So what is the uh, grid going to look like? What is Santee Cooper's power generation going to look like in the next 20 years? And then Santee Cooper's contract with Central Electric. And so remember, so Central Electric is a cooperative that buys about 65% of Santee Cooper's power. So that's that's kind of key right there of getting uh, Central Electric to agree. But just looking over Santee Cooper's plan uh, to reform itself, it, one, it talks about tackling its uh, internal governance. So we're probably going to see some switch in management. Mm-hmm. We're going to see a reduction in the workforce by about 10%. And we're going to see a move away from coal, mainly to uh, natural gas and renewable energy. And this is kind of what the other proposals have there too. But So Sandy Cooper says it can lower rates by about $2.3 billion over the next 20-year period. So um, also to note to all the bids were looked at the next 20 years. 
And then this is just you know scraping the surface. These uh, it was a 110 page, 111 page report that was released uh, last week that legislators now going all going over. But just to just to go over some of the big developments there. So and the Dominion would take control of Sandy Cooper's management, although not necessarily the the CEO and president, although it could. And that would be for a 10 year term. Dominion's plan would much work like Sandy Cooper's uh, plan, so it doesn't plan on a a staff cut greater than 10%. It doesn't contemplate redoing the contract with Central Electric, and Central Electric has come out and said, you know, we like working with Dominion. We've worked with them in the past. Dominion's plan does not contemplate or does not have a figure to settle the lawsuits. And in one lawsuit in particular, it's the Cook uh, litigation, is known as. So it's a, a plaintiff, Jessica Cook, a resident that's a kind of class action lawsuit mm-hmm. against Santee Cooper from Santee Cooper charged its consumers to pay for part of the VC summer project. And so that that is still uh, unresolved. But so much looks at the same. And then I think Dominion, uh, they say, you know, we're going to, this will benefit everybody because, well, Dominion just bought Scana, merged with Scana. So this is Sandy Cooper's partner in the right. defunct VC summer plant. So they have a lot of uh, facilities there and there'll be a lot of synergies and they could work well together that way. And, and Dominion wouldn't charge this state anything other than just the payroll of their 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 employees all right so let me before you mention the next era but let me just recap so you're saying out of the two bids sandy cooper one is to reform itself mm-hmm. and for Dominion, it would be to take management control of the utility. Correct? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, okay, so mm-hmm. let's talk about the next era bid. Yeah, this is the I guess the exciting one that people are doing. <laughs> so, so next era, they bid nine point five billion to pay off Santy Cooper's debt and to con- take control of the utility. So, we remember it says about almost four billion related to the VC summer uh, nuclear project. The bid would also next era would also take control of Lake Marion and Lake Moultrie. So these are the two. Power plants or dams and the surrounding communities that would be affected by this. They would have a payback rate payers. It's a four hundred million dollar credit to rate payers, and they would set aside five hundred forty one million dollars to settle the Cook litig- litigation. And there's also be some funds going back to the state to pay for the closing costs and different uh, amounts there. Uh, interesting to note. So uh, next era's bid includes a 40% reduction in their workforce and they don't contemplate taking what to do with the pension system or the OPEB uh, other than pension employee benefits right there so that there's still some um, some um, some gray areas not known but uh, they also plan to to develop a lot of to get get out of coal move to natural gas and renewables and so, so kind of interesting to note so under Santy Cooper as a case rate, how it is now without the reform plan, next era, their rates would be under uh, Santy Cooper. But with the reform plan, so next era, the rates would be cheaper than Santy Cooper's until 2024. And then they're going to have to bump up rates. Hmm. And then they'll, they'll probably be a little bit more expensive on the rate side 
than Santi Cooper's plan, although it's debatable in the plan with the tax credit, I mean, with the with the credit to ratepayers and everything. In the end, you know, Nextair says they can do it probably about one percent cheaper over the next twenty years, but that's kind of you know difficult to forecast. So it looks maybe but kind of be about the same there. Yeah, so that's a lot of a lot of moving pieces, and that's definitely the the big bid. Yeah, that's a lot of interesting stuff, and so a lot a lot to mention. <laughs> so. Is there anything else uh, on the table for Sandy Cooper? Yeah, so another thing to watch out for. So Sandy Cooper is in the middle of settling its case against Westinghouse. So Westinghouse was the contractor, original contractor on the BC Summer uh, Project. And so they've said they've come to a near agreement with Westinghouse where they're going to divide up the assets still left at the nuclear site. And then so Sandy Cooper looks like it's going to get most of those assets. And so it plans to use these assets to, to sell them and then to buy down the debt. And so this isn't contemplated in the reform plan, but it could potentially lead to some maybe greater savings for Santa Cooper or maybe for Dominion or for next next era, you know, they'll they'll gain control of this. And there's also the Cook litigation that we've seen. So, you know, next era contemplates you know, paying off settling that and uh, Santa Cooper Dominion do not, but then so that's gonna be a moving piece that court case is slated for April. And and then also on a more minor note, there's a city of Goose Creek just north of Charleston, which is uh, kind of engaged itself in another battle with Santa Cooper. They decided to annex a smelter from Century Aluminum. Smelter. Yeah, aluminum smelter from Century Aluminum. And they're going to create their own utility to serve the smelter. This is really minor mm-hmm. in uh, in uh, what's going on with Santa Cooper right now. But this harkens back to uh, a court case in the last couple of years that had to do with, you know, what is Santa Cooper's monopoly power to provide power to these to the, to the region? Yeah, so a lot of moving pieces right now, and I think over the you know the next month we're probably going to see, you know, ten if not a dozen uh, hearings from South Carolina legislators, um, kind of going over, you know, what, what are we going to do here? Going over the fine tooth comb, I, I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of lot of political, uh, financial, a lot of. Uh, politics are here. Yeah, well, a lot has happened, like you said in the beginning, two years after, two and a half years after Westinghouse filed for bankruptcy, so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, well, Patrick, thank you for your time today. Thank you. Okay, and let's finish up with Caitlin Devitt with your second story. Ready for another one, Caitlin? I'm ready. Okay, so we've been tracking the Better Housing Foundation situation for many months now. They're in default on a total of about $166 million of bonds tied to five separate affordable housing projects in Chicago. One of those projects called the Shoreline saw a big development early this month. Can you tell us more about it? Sure. They, one of the Better Housing Foundation, which is a nonprofit based in Ohio, one of its affiliates called Linderin Properties, which runs that Shoreline portfolio, filed for bankruptcy. They filed for bankruptcy protection and related to about $14 million of bond debt that was issued for 13 buildings that are in that shoreline portfolio. The bulk of the bonds and the bulk of the portfolios, they're located in Chicago, on the south side of Chicago, where affordable housing is um, a pretty important factor. There's also two of the portfolios that are located in the Chicago suburbs, but they're all in the Chicagoland area. And as you said, it's about 166 or 170 million worth of bond debt. 
They've been struggling. They're in default on everything, on all those portfolios, all those bonds. They're in default, and they're negotiating. And they're negotiating with bondholders. They're negotiating with the UMB, which is the trustee and UMB's counsel. They're trying to figure out what to deal with it, um, how to deal with it. So as we saw, now the first shoe is kind of dropped when they filed for bankruptcy the last um, a couple weeks ago. So that's what we saw in that shoreline. That's sort of the thing that we're watching right now. We're waiting to see how they progress. There's a um, auction that they expect to hold if everything goes as they would like it to in court. And as also, by the way, UMB and bondholders would like it to go. They also, they're not objecting to this anyway. If everything goes the way they would like it, then they plan to sell the portfolio in a few months. They've already got a stocking horse bidder on that and the, the stocking horse bid is for just under four million, three point nine. And as I mentioned, there's about fourteen million or thirteen point six million of debt outstanding. So you can do the math on that haircut. So speaking of haircut, if I'm a bondholder, what does what does my haircut look like? The stocking horse bidder is a, a group called Pangea Properties. And they, of course, could be outbid. Somebody else could come in. But that's about $4 million, um, or 3.9. And they have to pay off you know, legal fees, and they have to pay off, um, they have, they'll have some other fees. But the bulk of that money, or what's remaining anyway, but probably the bulk of it will end up going to bondholders who hold about $13.6 million. I see. So I got one last question. Does this mean that bankruptcy is a likely outcome for the other portfolios? That's something that we're paying attention to, but the short answer at this point is kind of no. I think that they are continuing to negotiate from sources I've talked to and also from the Better Housing Foundation officials. Um, they're continuing to negotiate with bondholders, so they're you know they're hoping for kind of they're probably going to be trying to do some sort of sale. They're really over leveraged and they don't have any money. And a lot all these buildings need a lot of um, work done. In fact, I think that. Shoreline needs about $7 million worth of work. And so that's going to be something that the buyer is going to have to do whatever they come in. The, the Better Housing Foundation is in housing court with the city of Chicago over dozens and dozens and dozens of code violations. So in addition to being in default on the bonds, they, they need all this money for, um, for upgrades and for, and for maintenance. So they're probably going to try to sell it. Whether or not they end up in bankruptcy is going to depend on how successful they are in marketing and probably getting somebody in to buy some of those properties. So speaking of court, I understand that you have to go back to court today and tell me what's going on with the the Better Housing Foundation today. There's a court hearing later this morning, or it's scheduled for later this morning, and and I believe that the motion that they're going to, I think that that the, the outline of the procedures for the auction I was talking about, sort of, you know, waiting 60 days and making any objections and all the timeline, um, I think that that's going to be up. So I'll find out a little bit more and write a story on it later today. Okay, we will look forward to that. Thank you, Caitlin. Thank you. Well, many thanks to Caitlin for our double dose of stories today. Thank you to Patrick Ferguson. Thank you to our producer, Anthony Phillips, who makes us sound good, and especially to you, our listeners, for tuning in week after week to the Muni Lowdown at DebtWire Municipals. So have a good day, everybody. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Muni Lowdown with me, your host, Young Lim. If you want to know more, subscribe to DebtWire.com and follow us on social media. Please leave comments, rate, like, and share. Join us next week when we talk about the latest in the municipal bond market.